Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. shorter than everybody here, so I'm going to drop the mic a little bit. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, man, it's, it's so great to be uh, back at uh, Roseburg, at this church especially. Uh, you might not know, but this is uh, one of the first places I actually ever got to speak on behalf of our mission back in uh, 2014. And I, I wasn't the missionary then. My, my parents were the missionaries. I, I, I grew up in, in the field, but um, I had spent a lot of time in the States, and at that time, they were just starting to uh, nag me to, to move to Korea, as parents do, and take over their lifelong work, raising orphans, planting churches, uh, radio broadcasting the gospel message to North Korea, etc. But I was still resisting. I was just in that rebellious phase. You know, I wanted to do my own thing. And a strange turn of events in 2014... My dad was uh, invited to participate in the Northwest School of Mission, which your church is, is a part of. And he asked me if I would, you know, drive him around for it. And I agreed. That was just the one condition that I'd be a chauffeur. And as fate would have it, my, my dad had a, uh, he took a bad fall at the start of it. He, he suffered a concussion. And before I knew it, I was called to take his place the rest of the way. And um, I, I certainly wasn't ready for it. But, you know, you, you probably experienced it in your life. God, uh, you know, he has a sense of humor. He sometimes calls you when you least expect it. Uh, the Apostle Paul certainly knows what, what that's like when he became an apostle. You know, he was on the road to Damascus to actually capture and, and persecute Christians. But he ended up becoming one himself, right? And so it's quite an unexpected reversal. In a small way, that's kind of how I felt um, I was unprepared, nervous. I don't, I don't remember anything, uh, how it went, what I said. It's all a blur, but I do remember this fondly. Um, I remember how gracious you all in Roseburg were. Uh, this was a church that stood out to me on that trip, how much you all showed up and, and participated, how warmly you welcomed me, and... Um, um, I remember that, and, and I wanted to start off by saying thank you uh, for that. I think it's safe to say that that school of mission was when I ultimately decided in my heart um, to move to Korea with my family um, and take over what my parents have done their whole lives, um, raising orphans in a Christian home. If we can go to the next slide, uh, that's our, our orphanage kids. Right now we have uh, 50, 51 uh, lovely children. To be, ex to be exact, uh, for anywhere from newborns to 18-year-olds. So that's a big part of the work that we do. Um, we plant churches. If you go to the next slide, um, this is just one of our church plants, recent church plants, and we're a part of two church plants right now. We find strategic uh, rural locations all over the country. Um, and, and if you look at the next slide, we also send out uh, Korean missionaries all over the world. So this one's our missionary to China. And if you look, look at the next slide, we have our, our missionary who does crazy stuff in, uh, on the border of Russia and North Korea. And he, he's able to go in and out of North Korea. And so, um, you know, we just started working with him last year. 
And, and I have to say, you know, it's, it's been quite an adventure so far. So thank you for being uh, part, of, part of that process. You can go to the next slide um, and for, for giving me the courage to do that. And uh, thank you for having me today as well. You know, I, I was happy to hear that, that the theme for this year's One Great Month for Missions is, is Champions for Jesus, right? Based on Philippians 3, 12 to 21. Uh, lucky for me, Philippians is, is my favorite book in Scripture, um, mostly because I, I, I love the setting of it, you know, and, and, and just the emotions conveyed in the letter. The Apostle Paul, writing from most likely a, a Roman prison, um, not really knowing what's about to happen to him there, um, in the midst of, of, of kind of suffering himself, you know, whether it's Paul or any other Bible character, when they suffer, it really speaks to us, doesn't it? Uh, not because we like to watch people suffer, but because we are often uh, suffering ourselves in our own lives. We have our own problems, and we're often discouraged too. We're searching for, for hope ourselves in the midst of our problems and the craziness that is our lives, our work, our families, um, and in mission work too. So, so this is what Paul is feeling too. Um, as he writes, you know, some trepidation maybe, some fear. Yet in his letter to his beloved friends of the church in Philippi, he writes a very heartfelt letter, a segment of which is uh, today's passage. Um, and, and I just love that even though this is the part of the letter that aims to assure them, right, it's the part that's trying to encourage his readers, he stays vulnerable too. He writes in tears, he says. And, um, and, and, and I, I just love how it starts right off the bat, verse, verses 12 and 13. It says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Um, not that I have already obtained all this. It's, uh, uh, I like it because it shows his vulnerability. You know, he, uh, he, he, uh, he acknowledges his weaknesses almost. You know, I haven't obtained it yet. You know, I'm still trying to grasp it, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. That's what he talks in the section before. I'm still straining for it. I haven't perfected it yet. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I still get overwhelmed by the things that uh, occur in my life. It's almost a confession, that beginning. And his, his vulnerability here really resonates with me. You can move on to the next slide um, because that's, that's exactly how I feel. A lot of the time, you know, overwhelmed sometimes. Um, I lose confidence. In, in fact, since moving to Korea, I've learned the most about how much I don't know yet. You know, how much I still have yet to figure out. I feel like it's just one mistake after another for me. I mean, I ran into a situation not too long ago. Uh, one of my dorm parents, one of my staff members came to me wanting to have a serious talk. And, you know, that's that's nothing that, you know, if your staff wants to come talk to you seriously, you know, that's not a conversation you want to be a part of. But um, she made me recall an incident from the moment I arrived in Korea. She, she had me remember the very first day off the plane, what had happened. And my family, you know, had just come and we were waiting at the orphanage to, to move to our new home. But in that brief time, if you go to the next slide, one of the orphanage boys, this boy in particular, had really taken to my eldest son. They were just having a good time together uh, right off the bat, and I was so happy to see that. 
Anyway, finally, the boy comes up to me, and he asks who we are, right, and who my son was, and uh, whether he was a new child for the orphanage. And I answered, and this is how I answered. I said, no, he's your brother, and that's what I had said. And I meant it in a very good way, you know, like a, kind of like a brother in Christ type of way. Think of us as, as like your family, but little did I know that this is not how the boy would take it, right? Little did I know that affection would not be all this boy would feel towards my son and that he would start to envy him as well. And that a seed of pessim pessimism would be planted in his heart then and that now, years later, he would begin to wonder why he would talk to his counselors, why his brother got to live with me uh, in my home while he was there living with the other children of the orphanage. So, you know, there's some nuances there that I had missed. And so upon urging by the teacher, I ended up having to talk to him really not too long, a couple months ago, to let him know that we are not actually his biological family. You know, it's, uh, it was a painful conversation. Uh, I could see that I'd really hurt them, you know. And, and the irony is, is it was a mistake that I made on my very first day on the job, off the plane. I came out and I caused this mess and then I started uh, working. So I learned pretty quickly how inadequate I was in this role as a caretaker of orphans. In fact, when I uh, was told of your theme for the month, Champions for Jesus, you know, that it sounded great, but the first thought that occurred to me was champion is certainly not an accurate description of me. Uh, you're other missionaries, I'm sure, but you know, I certainly don't feel like a champion. And in fact, from day to day, I don't even feel like I'm ever winning even just for a moment. You know, in the various battles that we're embroiled in in this work, um, if you go to the next slide, you know, when we, when we write to you, and you know, so, so many of you have been great on, Arlene has been great on Facebook, just, uh, you know, giving us positive vibes and, and messages um, for the pictures we post. But, you know, when I send you those pictures, you know, it's, it's always our best pictures, right? We, we, we show you the good side. You know, we paint it all in an Instagrammable light, is how, how I like to say it. Look at all our beautiful children. Aren't they cute? You know, they're going to grow up so loved by us, and the love of Jesus Christ is going to heal them of all their wounds. Um, but the reality is, uh, that's not always true. And I think the reality is, is that, especially these days, in this era, almost all the kids that come to our home, you know, we, we rarely get true orphans these days. A lot of these kids come from, like, broken families. And so Almost all the kids are so damaged, really, by abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, whatever it is. Most don't overcome the sense of abandonment scarred into their heart. They know that they have parents. Their parents just don't want to raise them. Um, and so for them to accept the fact that if there is a God, that this God loves them, that is such a uh, rare thing to see these days. And um, if you go to the next slide, I, I, would, I uh, remember... Uh, a couple of years ago, um, I had just I had moved to Korea and I was receiving my first child. You know, before my parents were in charge, now I'm in charge. Okay, I'm getting my first child at the orphanage. I was super excited. It was an important occasion for me. I, I I kind of planned out what kind of impression I wanted to have on him. Like I wanted to make sure we became best friends and that he could see me as like a mentor slash father. 
Well, you know, when he arrived, this kid was so uh, numb to everything. He was just completely closed, closed off, and he, he barely lifted his eyes to meet mine, much less say a word to me other than yes and no. And it, it just like completely shattered all these plans I had. You know, this boy, his backstory, you know, he, he, you know he, he's normal. He's just a normal kid. He, he had lived happily at home with his dad and grandma just a few months ago. And in, in a matter of weeks, he, uh, he lost everyone that mattered to him. His grandma, you know, she was always suffering from late-stage cancer, and it, it, she just deteriorated rapidly and passed away. But um, his dad, who was a laborer, died too almost immediately after, you know, unexpectedly. It was an unexpected freak workplace accident. So when this boy t- came to us, you know, he was still in shock. You know, he was still uh, devastated. And here I was, you know, this is, goes to show how naive I am. I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to tell him like a bunch of jokes and make him laugh. And, you know, I, I still can't believe how uh, insensitive I, I was in that situation. And if you go to the next slide, the, the, the worst part about welcoming this kid is, is he happened to come on a Wednesday morning. And I don't know if you guys do this here, but for us, we have a Wednesday night children's service every Wednesday from 7 to 8. And all the children gather, and, and, and I preach. Um, but that particular Wednesday, I'm ashamed to say, I, I could not get myself to preach um, in front of that kid. I, I had written the most shallow children's sermon on rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And it was just so shallow that I just could not give it in front of this boy that day. So I actually... Uh, I, I cut it short, you know, not my, not my proudest moment on the, on the pulpit, right? Not quite the, the will of a champion, but, um, but if I were to be honest, in our work, I, I do feel like this pretty free, I was so amazed at the video, you know, count, missionaries need counselors, because um, I feel pretty low pretty frequently. Not only do I doubt myself, but sometimes I, I, I have to admit, I even doubt the power of the gospel to make a difference in the lives of these children. I, I doubt that in my head sometimes. Do you have days like that too? You know, I wonder, do you feel victorious every day? You know, do you ever really feel like you're winning against whatever you're up against? Maybe, you know, against people out to hurt you or take advantage of you, against, uh, you know, pressure that's put on us, expectations put on us by society. But really, for those of us believers, we know that our battle is bigger than that, right? out always liked how Ephesians 6.12 put it, how our battle is really against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil. This is not a battle we can fight alone, but sometimes we feel like it is. So um, I don't know about you, but when my faith is weak, I feel like I'm against, I'm up against much more than I can handle. And, um, let me tell you some things about my country, South Korea. I don't know if you know all these things, but uh, you know, what do you know about South Korea? If you go to the next slide, we're a pretty trendy country right now. Korea is a really cool country right now. Our food is popular internationally. I don't know in Roseburg if there are any good Korean barbecue places, but if you've never tried it, before you die, come visit us in Korea and try it because it's amazing. Um, if you ask your kids, 
you will know. We are also known throughout the world for our pop music. If you go to our next slide, um, they K-pop, they call it. It's like a genre by itself, Korean pop. I don't know if you heard of this group. They're called BTS. Your kids will know. Your kids will know. These are like, these guys are like the Beatles of this generation. You know, they, like worldwide. Um, South Korea, if you go to the next slide, is also known for our films. I don't know if you've watched this movie. It's called Parasite. Anybody? No? Okay. Korea's not very big here. Uh, well, this, this film won the, won the Academy Award for Best Picture a few years ago. You know, it's quite an accomplishment for an international film. Um, so, you know, we're known for our films. If you go to the next slide, I don't know if you've heard of this show. We're also known for our TV shows. I don't know uh, if you have Netflix, but if you have, you would have watched the most watched show ever on Netflix is a, is a Korean show. So um, it's a strange time to be a Korean. I never, never in my life I had so many people think I was so cool simply because I was Korean. And uh, it's, it's very flattering, except I can't sing and I can't act, so it doesn't really pertain to me. But I will say I'm pretty good at eating Korean barbecue. So uh, kudos to me for, for being Korean. If you go to the next slide, um, Another thing that my country is the best in the world at, but is less known, and we are less proud of, is our suicide rate. I don't know if you know that about Korea. We have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And if you look at the list, um, you know, there's a lot of countries that you wouldn't recognize. Among first world nations, so not among developing countries that are struggling you know, to provide food or whatever, whatever. among first world nations, we are number one highest suicide rate in the world by far. It's, it's an absolute travesty. A lot of high-profile suicides. Among Koreans who attempt suicide, they say that the majority is young. It's either very young people or very old people. And um, among the majority that is young people, um, between the ages of 19 and 20, so the kids that commit suicide between the ages of 19 and 24 in Korea, they say that four out of every five grew up or have lived for a period of time in an orphanage. So this is a, it's a shocking statistic. Um, and I think about that statistic every day to remind myself of the battle that I am really fighting, right? It's, it's an enormous weight on us. And we've, we've had some of our own graduates, you know, attempt suicide. So Korea, if you look at it, on the outside, we look like such a healthy, wealthy, popular, successful, land of opportunity type society. It really does. But the truth is, is if you get in deeper, we are, um, like a lot of Asian cultures, one of the most prejudiced, uh, class-based, biggest gap between rich and poor with no mobility upwards type society in the world today. It's, there's a big facade. And so for our children, our orphanage children with no network, and with no family background, we find that it's nearly impossible for them to, to break through that. Whatever it is, their careers, even getting married, you know, no one, their families won't allow people to get married to our kids because they don't have a good family background. So there's just so many situations where this hole is too deep for them to dig out of. So I try to remind myself every day, you know, this is what we're up against, right? This is what we're up against. 
And when we do it alone, it can get overwhelming at times, right? When we go about it alone, you know, life sometimes gets a little crazy. Paul knows this too. Paul might be feeling a little overwhelmed right now too with everything on his mind. He's in prison. But Paul says, um, the one thing I do, so despite his doubts, despite his mistakes, if there is one thing that he does right, if there is one thing that we can do in the, in the various situations that we find ourselves in, despite our doubts, our weaknesses, our insecurities, we press on. That's what the passage says, right? We still run forward. Our next slide. Try to get a picture of a kid running, but it didn't turn out so well. Um, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, he strains towards what is ahead. Um, what does he mean by what is behind? He, he probably means the pains of our past, probably, right? The burdens we carry from the past. We are burdened by it a lot of times, aren't we? Our, my kids know. Paul says, forget the past, right? We can't change what has happened, right? Holding on to all that baggage is not going to get us anywhere. We forget even your successes, your past, whatever you have, you'll let it go. Once we had an older girl come to our home just last year, um, she was a senior. She stayed for one year and she moved out. And um, when you come live with us at a later age, it's a lot harder to adjust because it's group life, right? It's orphanage. And uh, this, this girl had a pretty tough time. And one thing that I'll always remember about her is how she always carried her backpack everywhere. That was like her thing. It's like a part of her clothes. She carried it not only to school, but to, you know, to eat in the dining hall, to the library, to church, wherever she went, she carried her backpack. And if you go to the next slide, it was always pretty full, too, you know, pretty full backpack. So one day I asked her why she carried it around with her, and she told me, surprisingly candidly, that it was everything that she basically owned that was important to her. It was everything that connected her to her life before this. And she didn't want to let it, and she didn't know maybe the kids would steal or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and it, whatever her explanation was, it made sense to me at that time. I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting reason. So you'd always see her with her backpack on. And in fact, only at the very end of her stay with us, so this last maybe November and December, you started to see her leave her stuff in the room. It was only at the very end. And finally, she let the weight off her shoulders literally, you know. And you know what? For that brief couple of months before she left, when she put that backpack down, the expression on her face started changing. You know, she was finally smiling. You know, she was relaxed. She started finally making friends with the other children. She never even tried before. And she started adjusting to our home. And it got me thinking, man, you know, she had to let it go to move forward. It was just the most interesting thing. And I think we have to be able to do this, too, in our own lives. You see, we... We, we have to forget, you know, we, we hold on to the past and, and we have to let it go, right? We have to let go of whatever pain comes from the past. It's a tough thing to do. I know because, because the past is what has shaped us so far and, 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 our, and our orphanage kids especially, they're afraid that if they let it go that they will have nothing left to who they are. Um, but we have to do it anyway because what is ahead of us is worth it. And according to Paul, it's worth it in at least three ways. 
So Paul presses on. Because first he says, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's what the passage says. It is worth it because Paul remembers what it was first like, is how I read it. Right? He remembers his own conversion experience on the road to Damascus. He remembers how scary it was probably. I mean, he lost his vision for days. But he also remembers how his life changed after. Right? When that, what that moment meant for him and how much he wants others to experience what it is like to meet and know Jesus. And I kind of had an epiphany moment like that um, last month. I had the honor of uh, baptizing two of our high school boys. These boys, I never would have, the most angriest boys I've ever met, just generally. And um, if you go to the next slide, but, but something happened in their hearts in the last year or so. In the midst of COVID, no less. You know, I couldn't gather a full worship service. I was doing it by rooms. Um, and something had happened in their hearts, and, and they initiated the conversation with me. They genuinely wanted to be baptized. And so, um, I, you know, I had the honor of doing that. I mean, every baptism for us is like, is a very emotional experience for us because these days it doesn't happen too often among kids these days. But... Um, this time especially, and I was in the water. Wait, this is the first baptism I conducted for our orphanage kids. Um, I just had a moment where I recalled my own baptism. And I was just there. And um, you see, I had forgotten for a long time that I was the first person to be baptized in the same orphanage baptistry when, when we completed con construction in 1999. And I was the first to be baptized there. If you go to the next slide, that's a picture of it happening, you know, back when I used to be skinny. Um, and my father was the one who baptized me that day. It was an honor. And here I was now, you know, standing inside the same baptistry 20 years later, baptizing these two orphanage boys. It, it was such a significant thing for me. It was a significant realization. And just for a briefer moment, just in that time, I just had a vision of these boys, perhaps just one of them, you know, perhaps about 20 years from now, baptizing other children themselves in the same baptistry, and so on and so on. And I thought to myself, man, wouldn't that be something? And let me tell you, you know, by the time I had imagined all of this in my head, and by the time I dunked them in and brought them out of the water, I felt like I was more refreshed than they were. You know, my, I was rejuvenated. You know, and as much as it was a new start for them, it felt like a new start for me, simply because I remembered, right? I remembered when Jesus Christ took hold of me. You know, how freeing that was, how empowering that was. Do you remember when you got to know Jesus for the first time, what that was like? Um, and it brought tears to my eyes that, that what I had felt back then was possibly what these boys were feeling now. I was so happy for them. And of course, I also know, you know, how, uh, you know, inevitably how it was for me, some of this pure joy of knowing Jesus will fade over the years, like a memory, right? We, we slowly forget. The world will beat it out of us sometimes. It does, right? You get so involved in things, and it will make us forget. But my hope and prayer for these two boys is that, like me, they will run into situations where they will be reminded, right? 
And I pray that you may be reminded too um, so that we can be rejuvenated and we can find the strength to press on, to press on, to, hold, to take hold of that experience again, but also press on for others to experience it too. There's so much joy in doing that. Secondly, why does Paul say he presses on? We press on because there are enemies all around us. You know, I, I love that phrasing. We are surrounded on all sides by enemies of the cross of Christ. I love zombie films, and that's always how I think about it. Like a zombie film, you know, we can't stay in one place, right? They'll bite you, right? We have to keep moving. And so, so what are these enemies of the cross of Christ? Well, the verse says, he describes these enemies like this. He says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. I'm going to have to conveniently skip that their God is their stomach part because I had such a tough time putting on my suit pants this morning. I'd just be a hypocrite. Um, their glory is in their shame and their mind is on earthly things. These are the enemies of Christ and they are all around us. Sometimes these enemies that seek to destroy us are very close to us. If you go to the next slide, uh, one more after. This girl, one of our, our prettiest girl, one of our most beautiful uh, high school girls, but she's also kind of rebellious. And last October, she ran away for a weekend without telling us. And um, we were really worried for a while, but luckily, you know, these days with social media, you just scan the kids' social. You don't have to call the cops. You know, just look at their Instagram. Gave away where she was. Um, she was with her, with her biological mother. And um, we were relieved because her mom stays in touch. You know, she, she had her daughter when she was really young, and she wasn't in a good place. But this mom had bettered her life over the years. It was, it's good to see. She's doing well now, relationally, financially. But the one thing she doesn't do is she doesn't want to take her, kid, her kids back. And the toughest part of it is, is that this girl looks up to her mom like no other. She admires her mom. Um, and so she even, you know, when she runs away from home, that's where she goes to her mom. But when she gets there, do you know what she found? Her mom raised this pu puppy at home. And I, I have nothing against puppies. I, I raise a dog myself. But this, this is not just a puppy. This was like a toy poodle type, uh, a dog that requires a lot of maintenance and grooming type puppy. He was wearing like a crisp collar shirt, slept on a fur bed, filled with dog toys. How do I know so much about the dog? Well, you know, we were tracking her social media, and she had actually posted up pictures of her mom's dog. That's how we found out where she was. And you have to understand, this girl loves animals, so she put up like hundreds of pictures of this dog. And um, of course, like so much else on social media, her adoring posts were meant to hide what was really going on in her heart because she was absolutely devastated inside. Um, I was told, and I wasn't there, but when, when our dorm parents went to pick her up from her mom's house, she was imploring her mom in tears to take her back. And, and her reasoning was, uh, she said that she wouldn't be any more trouble than this dog now because she was old enough to take care of herself. And... Um, the mom, you know, the mom says she couldn't and, you know, sent her back to us. So, you know, when incidents like this happen, 
I think we are reminded again that as much as we pray hard every day, you know, to lift up our kids and have a positive impact on their lives, uh, Satan is equally working as hard as well, doing his very best to strike down and crush their, it's a, it's a war, it's a war out there. We are surrounded by enemies trying to convince us that we are of no value. And if we stay put, they will succeed. They will overtake us. So we, we have to move on, right? We have to claw our way past them, and we have to press on to get to a safer place, Pr- press our way forward, forward to Jesus, who will tell us the truth, who will let us know that we are valued. And that's all we're trying to let the kids know, is that God values them and that we are loved. And so that is if my analysis of the passage is correct, the second reason why we press forward. Thirdly, and lastly, why does Paul press on? Um, I think verse 14 makes it clear that we press on to win the prize, right? There is a prize, and the prize makes it worth it. And when I say prize, I'm not just talking about heaven. Sometimes we do that, right? It's, oh, yeah, you know, eventually we'll go to heaven. Um, although that, to be fair, is what Paul seems to be thinking about when writing this letter. He says, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, where citizenship is, where Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That is true. That is completely true. Let us look forward to that day because that will be the day that not only will we finally meet Jesus in person, but we will also meet each other and I can finally show you how cute our kids actually are, not only through pictures, but face to face. So let us look forward to that. But let us also not forget that there are prizes to be had here in this life. Uh, if you go to the next slide, um, you know, as I was preparing this sermon, and I was practicing with my wife, and my wife commented on how I just come off as a negative Nancy. She said, nobody came to church to hear all your sob stories. Well, you know, as it often is, she's probably right. You know, I apologize for that. But also, please don't misunderstand me because the truth is there are plenty of absolutely glorious moments in our work too. And let me tell you, in my experience, a lot of things go wrong, but you only need a few big victories to erase the memory and taste of many small failures. There is a grand prize But there are also prizes along the way, let me tell you. You know the boy I told you about at the beginning who seems so numb and so expressionless coming to our home? Uh, If you go to the next picture, remember how tough it was for me to even preach of this kid in the middle because I felt his pain, his loss of hope? Well, the truth is, is not long after that, not too long after, the gloom on his face was replaced with a perpetual smile it really moved when he first came to us i thought man this guy's i never expected him to take to our home to our kids but most surprisingly to the gospel and to the power of prayer so well and so quickly i couldn't have expected it he prays all the time now you know he prays every day thanking god that he got to to live with us this is how much he's enjoying his new life he has relatives that have contacted us that they'll take him back and he doesn't want to go back you know that's how much he's enjoying his time with us um so much so that the other kids find it peculiar and they have a nickname for him 
they uh, remark about how in their view he always see things backwards. So they call him the backwards boy. 모든 것을 거꾸로 본. That's what it sounds like in Korean. 거꾸로 보는 아이. Right, the backwards boy. That's his nickname. He likes everything that they hate. You know, the others hate sharing rooms. They're like, oh, there's too many of us in one room. He loves it because he has company, right? The others hate, you know, waiting in line at the cafeteria for their food. He loves it, right? He says it makes mealtime less lonely. The others dread worship because they find it boring. I guess I'm boring and redundant. He finds it interesting and new. And, um, you know, he had never been to one before in his life. And, and, and so I... I had no need to be worried. On that very first day when I met him and he was so gloomy, you know, I was so worried. I had no need to be worried. How dare I be ashamed of the gospel? Turns out this kid finds the gospel compelling. He's thinking about getting baptized this Easter. And, um, and the other kids think of him as the backward boy. But I think this kid is onto something really important for those of us who live by faith. I think we are meant to see things backwards, aren't we? Right? What if you see the look at the Beatitudes? Why do you think they sound so wild to non-believers? It's completely blessed are the poor in spirit. No one worldly can think that. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. It seems backwards, but actually, this is the correct way to perceive things as a follower of Jesus. Backwards, uh, where others see shame, we see the possibility of redemption. Where others see judgment, we see grace. Where others see failure, we see uh, potential. We see hope. We see the hope of the gospel in the lives of children the world has abandoned. That's just how we see it. We find the hope of the gospel in pockets of Korea, pockets of the world which previously may have been ignored, which might not have been reached, but we believe there should be churches there. We believe there should be missionaries there. We see things backwards, you see. And this is, this is why we do what we do. And I know that this is why you do what you do too. You know, I, I love this church. This is why you press on. And at the end of the day, you know, I came here to thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for pressing on with us like this through thick and thin over many, many years. And um, if you go to the next slide, actually, every Christmas you guys send us cards or the mission team send us cards um, and, and I was very encouraged last Christmas to, oh, I think I brought it with me. Yeah, I was very encouraged to receive this card from your church um, because it was the perfect reminder for me at that time. And, and I brought it with me because I thought maybe you need to hear it too, right? Things get tough. Things get kind of difficult. But let us never forget God's promises are sure. His mercies are new. His plans are good. And his love never fails. So let us continue uh, to press on together. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you for having me today. And I'd like to conclude with a brief message from our orphanage kids to you. I hope you enjoy it. Dear wonderful brothers and sisters of First Christian Church in Rosebrook. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for playing for us. We often wonder 
When you have never met us. How can you think about us? When you Continue. To reach forward together. Let us fight the good fight together. Join the fight. That Jesus has prepared for us until we meet here in heaven. Where our city is. Ponte Phuket. That we love you. May God bless First Christian Church of Roseburg. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify we invite you to like, subscribe rate and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well God bless you and have a beautiful day